This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. All that stuff has you know, already been done and in motion. Um, I know, you know, the guys talked and, and we all, you know, we had the floor. It was just us. And, you know, we got to just make sure that we're we're all on the same page about where we're at and how the, how the, how the hell we get out of this funk, man. That was really, you know, the the message of it. Um, and when it comes from one of your teammates, it always it always hits different. It always resonates a little more. And, um, you know, that was the case earlier today. And, and Gary Wilson on Bart and Han indicating there was a players-only meeting with the Jets. Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ESPN New York tonight. We bring in Rich Samini for his weekly spot here on the show. Rich, Larry, and Gordon, how are you? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Rich. Doing good. All right, Rich, what can you tell? Players-only meeting? Is this uh, is this what, what's going on with this team right now with all the struggles offensively that with, uh, what, 36, 38 consecutive drives with no touchdowns? Yeah, uh, 36 drives, uh, 11 quarters, uh, you know, a whole bunch of historic lows they're going through on offense right now. And Garrett Wilson really kind of hinted after the game on Sunday night that maybe this was uh, something that would help, a players-only meeting. And uh, sure enough, uh, you know, word started getting around this morning that that was going on. And Garrett articulated it really well on the radio, on, on Barton Hunt's show there. And... You know, who knows? How, like he said, there's no guarantee that this is going to work or not, you know, but they were trying to do everything they can. I think the words he used were trying to un- uncover every stone to find out, you know, like just to get this thing on the right track. And uh, so who knows if it's going to help. I, I do think, though, that they need more focus, especially on offense. Just, they just have not been a cohesive unit. I think that is illustrated with the amount of penalties they've had the last few weeks. It's just been really sloppy, and a lot of the penalties are avoidable. They're technique penalties. They're, you know, just pre-snap, lack of focus, lack of concentration. And so maybe having this coming-together moment will do some good in that respect. It can't do any more harm. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Rich, the drops, it seems like every single week, even when Zach delivers a good ball, it, it seems like Lazard is, is either double catching it or just outright dropping it. Garrett Wilson's had an issue. Is, is there any common theme for why the drops seem like they show up every single week? Yeah, I mean, I'm unfortunately going to probably resort to a couple of cliches here, um, <laughs> but I think they apply, and I hate cliches, but, uh, you know, when, when you're going through this bad a funk, which is the word Garrett Wilson used, I think guys start to press. I mean, even Garrett Wilson, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he had the fumble, trying to make extra yards. This week he had a drop. It was, you know, the long pass, drop, you know, was kind of a drop down the sideline. Lazard's just had the issue all year. So I don't, I don't think it's anything new for him. I think he is a guy who clearly has been a disappointment for the Jets. He's had four penalties. He's had officially it's three drops, according to our ESPN stat people. It seems like more, but it's three drops. He just has not been a productive receiver. He does not seem locked in playing with any sense of urgency. So, uh, you know, unfortunately for the Jets, they don't have a lot of great depth at wide receiver, so they have to keep on trotting him out there. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of this is mental for the guys on offense. Rich, were you surprised that Michael Carter was shown the door today? And, and is that the big move that is supposed – some of the offensive moves that the personnel that is supposed to be happening for this team? 
Yeah, I think that'll be the big move for the week. Uh, was I surprised? Yes, just because he's a young player on his first contract. He was a fourth-round pick a couple of years ago, led the league, led the team in rushing in 2021. And so uh, I, I think they made a, a judgment. The coaching staff made a decision to go with Izzy Abanaconda as their next, you know, as their number three running back. And rather than just deactivate Michael Carter on a weekly basis, they felt like they wanted to do him the, the, the solid of, of giving him a chance to move on. And I think he'll get claimed on waivers. I think he's regarded enough around the league. I'd be surprised if he does not get claimed on waivers. So I think they were almost doing him a favor by giving him a chance to catch on with the team. That'll give him more opportunities because right now the way it looks for the rest of the year is that he would be a healthy scratch every week. And uh, he has not been producing, you know, and that they just feel that Izzy Abanaconda has a lot more speed, a lot more home run ability, and God knows they need that on offense. Rich, is this as much a grasping at straws kind of move as it seems to the outside world? Uh, you know, I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. One, you know, Carter has not been producing. I mean, his numbers as the third down back have been poor, to be quite honest. And he had the penalty on Sunday night. It was a chop block penalty. And if you noticed, that was it for him. He was benched mm -hmm. for the rest of the game. And that was basically benched the entire second half, only finished with eight snaps on offense. And they were going to some more Brees Hall on third down, which I actually think is a good thing because Hall is uh, – he needs to get the ball in his hands, you know, and, and Carter was doing nothing on third down. At least if you get the ball in the hands of Hall on third down, he can do some damage in the passing game. So does it send a message to the rest of the team? I think it absolutely does. Michael Carter was a very popular guy in the locker room. Um, just in that corner of the locker room, really admired by his teammates, a good sense of humor, kept things loose. Um, really an out, outspoken guy, good personality, and I think it hit home. You know, I think Makai Becton was on Twitter a little late earlier today saying exactly that. You know, this he goes, I'm not going to lie, this one really hurts. So I think the message got through to the locker room, and they give a chance to a guy like Izzy Abanaconda who's been waiting in the wings. Ritz, this is going to be interesting to see because uh, we keep looking at offense and what, what can they do and differently, and it just seems like to me, that they're putting Zach Wilson's throwing the ball a lot, and I just thought I was kind of surprised. Delvin Cook last week looked as the best he's ever looked on on the field for the Jets, and he made a couple of positive runs, and then he disappeared for the rest of the game. He only came back out, and they threw a pass, and he, you know was, you know he wasn't it was incomplete. I mean, I thought I really thought that he should have gotten the ball a little bit more because he was hot. Yeah, that was the best he's looked since he's been a Jet. And uh, I think they should have given him the ball a little bit more. And I know this is not going to be a popular opinion that I'm about to share, but Priest Hall hasn't looked as quick and as explosive the last couple of weeks as he was early in the year. And I know that defies logic because you would think he would start off a little slow because of the ACL and then sort of build momentum. But I think it's been the opposite, and I have no idea why. The other night, he just looked, you know, a quarter step slow. And Cook, you're right, Larry. I mean, he just had a little bit more juice, and they probably should have given him the ball more. Um, so, I don't know. 
maybe Brees Hall's been getting it too much. Maybe he needs to, you know, it needs to be more of a workload share. I'm not sure what the answer is there, but I thought for this one particular game, I think they probably miscalculated by not giving Cook the ball a little bit more. Rich, it's clear with the offensive struggles that frustration is, is growing for the team. Is there anything you see or hear where that frustration is pointed at the quarterback? Have not heard that this year. Obviously, last year, a lot of it was. Um, I think, you know, now I don't know the details of what was said in that players-only meeting today. Uh, having not been around in the locker room today, um, you know, who knows what was going on there. But I think Zach Wilson has matured from last year. I thought he handled it poorly last year. This year seems to be a little bit more mature. Uh, and he's playing better than he was last year. I know Jets fans don't want to hear that because they see the end result, which is no touchdowns. But he is playing better than he was last year. Last year was a basket case, let's be honest. I mean, he had a couple of games where he couldn't get out of his own way. I, I thought the other night he actually did some decent things, moving the ball, running the ball, uh, showing the ability to escape pressure. And I think that really puts a strain on the defense when you have a quarterback who can run like that. So, um, yeah, I have not heard the anti-Zach sentiment as much as it was last year. Part of that could, could be because I think the locker room knows that Aaron Rodgers likes Zach Wilson a lot. And Aaron Rodgers is still, even though he's not there on a daily basis, is a very influential person in that locker room. So I think that's having a having an ally like Aaron Rodgers probably helps Zach Wilson standing in the locker room as well. Rich, this is one of the few weeks that we can really say that the offensive line played pretty good. They they did a nice job. Wilson got rid of the ball a little quicker, which helped him out. But I thought the offensive line didn't kill them this week. Yeah, I think their pass protection was better than I expected. Uh, I thought Max Mitchell did a pretty decent job against Max Crosby because I, I thought Crosby was going to wreck the game. And I, I think he had one sack, but he was his name was not called a lot uh, during the game. And so that was a credit to the line. Um, I think they needed to get a little bit more um, push in the running game. You know, the, the last couple of weeks, the running game has really tailed off a bit. Um, maybe that's because of Brees Hall a little bit. Maybe it's because of the offensive line. It's probably a combination of both. But uh, I thought the line, all things considered, and I think it was their sixth different offensive line combination. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, all things considered, I, I, it wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. Rich, final one for me. Uh, Larry doesn't want to hear the name uh, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> anytime soon. But you, you brought him you up Aaron earlier. Rodgers free zone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any scenario that could play out this year where the organization would have um, the, I don't know, the right word, the guts or the, the, the gumption to be able to tell Aaron you're not coming back this year? Or is it, is it a decision yeah. that's basically up to him? No, I, it's not up to him. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's a few different layers to this, and I think we've talked about this before. It's it's not a, uh, this is not a typical player coming off of injury. You know, it's not like uh, Dwayne Brown, you know, being on IR and them saying, okay, Dwayne, we're going to activate you or, you know, not activate you. It, it's, it's a Hall of Fame quarterback who has made it very, very public that he wants to play and expects to play this year with the contingency being that the team is still in contention. Now, this all could be moot if the Jets lose the next two or three games. They're not going to be in contention. In fact, 
you could argue that if they lose Sunday in Buffalo, they'll be four and six. They'll probably be out of it then. It would be extremely, extremely difficult for them to get back into the race. And so this all might be a moot point. And even if it's not, you know, the doctors have to sign off on it. Um, you know, you got his doctor out in California that would have to sign off on it. And to be quite honest, I, I don't think the Jets want to play Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, and if, if it comes down to it, I, this is just a gut feeling based on stuff I've been hearing. I, I'm not so sure the Jets want to take that chance this year. So I think it's probably a long shot that he plays. Someone's going to have to have the guts to sit down with them and say, Aaron, we don't, we don't want to play you this year. I don't know if it'll be Salah. It might be Woody Johnson or all of the above. But um, it's going to be, I think, I'd be a little surprised if Aaron Rodgers is playing football for the Jets this year. Rich, you know, Robert Salah is struggling in these postgame press conferences trying to explain what's going on with this offense. If this doesn't turn around, what – what do you see? I mean, what do you see as possible changes looking in your crystal ball? I mean, you, you documented uh, Joe Douglas's that 2021 draft not looking good after today, <laughs> as you documented on X. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you see down the line if, if this team, because of all the injuries, does it buy everybody another shot till next season? I mean, what does it do? Well, they're going to have to win a few more games. I mean, four wins is not going to cut it for Robert Sala. Uh, or maybe even Joe Douglas for that matter. I mean, if the Jets get to seven wins and they go seven and ten for the second year in a row, given the circumstances of not having your starting quarterback for basically the entire season, I think you know that would warrant another chance for them next year to come back and try to get it right with a healthy Rodgers. Um, you know, but it, there's so many factors along the way. Uh, you know, if they stay competitive in all these games, I think that's a very that's a good plus for Roger, Robert Sala. If they start getting blown out, um, you know, that would be a sign that maybe the defense has given up a little bit out of frustration. That would not be a good thing for Robert Sala. So there's really so much that can happen between now and the end of the year. Um, it, it's really, really hard to say. You know, it's, it's, you know they're going to have to win a few more games because, four, like I said, four wins or five wins is probably not going to cut it. But, uh, you know, and, and can they show improvement over these last few games? Uh, can the offense start to eliminate the penalties? Nothing reflects as poorly on a, on a head coach as these penalties do. And when they just – and, you know, the funny thing is the Jets were good in penalties for the first five or six games. They were actually one of the leaders in least amount of penalties. But it's just kind of mushroomed these last two or three games – in the last two games, guys, they have almost as many penalties as points. It's 17 penalties, 18 points. That's an unheard of ratio. So if they can get the penalties cleaned up, if they can start to get a little production out of the offense, I don't think any of us are under the illusion that they're going to turn into an explosive offense overnight. But if they get a little production out of the offense, and if they can stay competitive in all these games, then, yeah, I think Robert Sala would deserve another chance to come back uh, in 24 with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Last one for me, Rich, real quick. 
Any concern you, you sense from Ulbrich and company on this defense, the way Josh Jacobs was able to run the ball, especially late in the fourth quarter, that with the fact that this Jet defense has done so well against the pass and they've got injuries on their line with their run stoppers, that this is going to be something that, you know, NFL's a copycat league, that they're going to see a lot more people trying to run the football on them. Well, they won't see the Bills running the football on them because the Bills uh, don't know really, I don't believe in the running game really. Uh, unless their new coordinator has a change of heart. You know, obviously they fired their coordinator today, so maybe a new philosophy. I don't know, but I don't think the Bills have never been known as a team that is going to sustain a running game. They kind of put the ball in Josh Allen's hands and let him do what he does. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be something you – know, They did their run game running defense is way lower than it should be, you know, and, and they gave it a bunch of yards the other night. It could have been fatigue just being on the field so much. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an issue. It shouldn't be an issue. I mean, they have a really good run stopper in Quinn and Williams. Uh, they have two really good linebackers in Mosley and Quincy Williams. Uh, you know, they lost out. They lost Woods. You know, he was a run stuffer. Uh, they haven't been able to recreate that. Um, Tanzel Smart, you know, back on the practice squad now. So, yeah, they lose that big that big old wide body in the middle to stuff the run. So maybe that's a factor that maybe we haven't paid as much attention to as we should. But I don't think it's anything to, you know, sound the alarm bells yet, Larry, because I I, I still think – I think this might have been a one-off against the Raiders. You know, i got to see it for another couple of games before I sound the alarm bells there. Rich, thanks for a couple of minutes. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Rich. All right, that's Rich Samini. All right, Gordon and I have talked. We've had guests. Now it's time for you. 1-800-919-3776. Also on X, formerly Twitter, at Gordon Damer, at Hardish, the ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, that was interesting. Player-only player meetings hard to gauge mm-hmm. you really don't know what you do when to do them normally you try to have them right before a game that you think you can win right. you know what i mean mm-hmm. because then it works and everybody's oh say it worked it worked out it worked it worked this is against buffalo this is not a game that you you know they should have had it before the raider game <laughs> maybe <laughs> right. that would have well. changed things maybe it, it, it's it's you know it's iffy you just don't know how the team is going to respond and you know, it's it's, it's it's there's so many young players on that team, Gordon. You just you know, with a veteran team, you understand it a little bit more. You kind of have a little bit of gauge of how it might turn out. But when you've got a young team like that, you know, what first of all, what was that conversation like? Yo, CJ, hold on to the ball, man. What's up? Yeah. Stop, you know, stop, stop, stop holding people. You know, you, you just don't know how the tenor of it is. Yeah, and and I understand the point that Rich made about Zach Wilson is a is a better teammate now than he was last year. So last year it was easier for guys to go after him because it seemed like he was just completely lost and he's playing better than he is, but he's still not playing well. And you know how it is. Sometimes there can be somebody who's a good guy and you like him as a guy, but they're not giving you what you need. They're not producing what you need to be able to be successful. And the NFL might be the, the ultimate my you know selfish sport where tomorrow is promised to no one yeah so i think that if the offense does not improve 
Somebody is going to be the brunt of that frustration at some point. Mm-hmm. It might now it might not be the quarterback. Maybe it'll be the coaching. Maybe it'll be someone else on the team. But the most likely place is at quarterback, and it feels like guys are catching themselves before they fully like. You can see the frustration in their face, and you can tell that they they have something that they want to say, but they're holding back. If the if the results don't improve at some point, somebody's going to blow. Well, all you have to do is look at what's going on on the Giants sideline. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, you know, that's, that could be the Jet future. Now, is he is – he, here's the bottom line with Zach Wilson, okay? And I'm not trying to pile on him, and I know we get tired of talking about him. I do, but he's the quarterback, and, and so he's always going to be the top of conversation. He's going to get too much credit when they win and too little credit when they lose. But here's the bottom line. He has yet to show you that you can put the ball in his hands and say, Zach – Take us down the field. We need a score. He hasn't shown you that. Nope. He hasn't. And he's had numerous oh opportunities this year to show. I'm not even talking about over the year. Numerous opportunities this year to show that that's where he is. That's what you need. Even if it, even if it, before we had a situation where all right, he had one drive. There's one drive you can count on him for a game, and that was good. Kansas City had one really good drive. Buffalo had one really good drive. Gordon has had a really good drive. You know, the closest thing was the one he ran out of bounds with on this one. But, you know, I, I mean, it's 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 got to be frustrating. And if you're Brees Hall and if you're the running backs, you're like, well, listen, he's not moving the ball, throwing. Give us right, the chance to run the football. Right. If you're the opposing team, what do you think you're going to take? Well, I'm not going to let them run the ball. I'm not going to let Brees Hall go 80 yards and score a touchdown. So I'm going to take that away and I'll allow him. It's like the guy who can't shoot from deep. All right, I'm going to play off of him and let him try to beat me from three. Yeah, no uh, at some point it's got to blow. And and in terms of you're right, you talk about second chances. <laughs> we thought he was out of chances after last year, and this year he's just gotten chance after chance after chance after chance. And they're sticking with him. Uh, yeah. You can't say that they haven't been patient. No, they're patient. <laughs> for all the criticism we hear in this town, oh, nobody's patient with anybody. It's win now. It's produce now. They, they've been waiting. They've been yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And they're still waiting. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to be watching and watching and watching when the playoffs roll around. Yeah, because they waited too long. Oh, it's un- it, it's unbelievable that they are going to allow another season to just fritter. Or, and they could be in this. And and if they go out and beat the Bills this week, they kind of are still in. Still, they're still hanging around. They're hanging around. But at some point, you got to help yourself, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, would just simply say, if you're saying to me, well, um, Tim Boyle. And um, Trevor Simeon are not better than Zach Wilson. Then why the hell are they here? Yeah. And what are they saying right now? We're not better than that, right? I mean, <laughs> Zach Wilson is literally the lowest-rated quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it's crazy. And what you went into the season with him being the backup, you're telling me you can't find another backup who's just slightly better than that than yeah. the worst quarterback in the NFL? Yep. Yep. They haven't yet. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Go, let's take some phone calls, shall we? Let's do it. Set the Queens and talk to Jay. He's up first on ESPN New York Tonight. What's up, Jay? Hey, Larry and Gordon. How are you guys, man? Hey, Jay. 
Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. All right, yeah. So I just wanted to call and talk in about how, honestly, how relieved I am that the Jets lost this past Sunday night because it was just so emotionally exhausting getting a week listening to all the the, the radio, radio guys talk about, you know, making the playoffs or, you know, how we're still in the season. You know, now that we've lost these these games with, with teams that also happen to be in playoff wildcard contention, I think, you know, no matter how the Jets finish, it's probably not going to happen, and it's a relief. And if I were the Jets, I would fire Nathaniel Hackett. You saw the Bills today fire their offensive coordinator. They're a team that has had a decent amount of success. And if a, if a team like that can realize, hey, you know, we have to shake things up, you know, we should do the same. I understand we have Aaron Rodgers coming back next year, and that's his guy. But if we fire him, who's going to pick him up? Why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't he be there just waiting for us? So I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. And thanks for the call. Wait a minute, Jay. Jay? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening, buddy. I'm okay, here. Ex- explain this to me now. You said if you let him go, would somebody be waiting there to take him? He would, nobody's going to want him. He'll be there to take him back? I'm talking about Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, if you're in an NFL organization, if you're a team, what is it about this season that the Jets were to fire this man that is going to make you hire him? Why wouldn't he be available for us if Aaron Rodgers was, was unhappy next year? Or, or, or so you're saying fire him well, now and then bring him back next year? It, it, if, if it needs to happen. I'm just talking about firing him, period. You know, because I understand that, that – you guys are going to say, hey, that's Aaron Rodgers' guy. It's all about Aaron Rodgers. But you know what? I, I don't see anything that this guy is doing in, in terms of creativity, in terms of – look at it. It's been 36 drives, no touchdowns. You know, I think the proof is in the pudding, and, and it speaks for itself. So I would just sh- shake things up. Some, something has to happen. I have to say, care, Jay. I got you. Thanks for the phone call. Well, this you're right, Jay. Jets, this is what the Jets have done to people now. We're suggesting we fire the offensive coordinator and then we bring him back next year when Aaron Rodgers is healthier. To work specifically with Aaron right. Rodgers. <laughs> right. No, Aaron, don't worry. We're firing him now, but nobody else is going to get him, and then we'll bring him back. Because as, as – I blame the Jets for this. As Aaron Rodgers – As Aaron Rodgers said today – I've won two MVPs running this offense. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, Gordon, it's not the offense. So then, if it's not the offense, Gordon, it's got to be? The people running the offense. The players on the field. It's got to be the quarterback. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to be the quarterback. That's what he's saying. Yeah. He says, no problem. It seemed to be the common theme here. Yeah, I mean, between last year, the offensive coordinator was somebody different. The the offense stunk, and the offensive coordinator is different this year, and the offense stinks. And it seems like they have some some weapons. I'm not saying they have great weapons, but, you know, Garrett Wilson looks like he can play, and Brees Hall looks like he can play, and I think that some other guys who I think that I've seen at other times look like they can play. They're not the scrubs that they look like right now. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Alex is in New York. Alex, you're next on 98.7. Hey, guys. How you doing? Um, so, obviously, the Jets should have traded for Josh Dobbs. That's that's obvious, yep. especially just giving up a six-rounder. That, I think, was a complete 
um, mess up on management's part. But putting that aside, going with Wilson, my problem is I see some flashes. He's obviously not the long-term answer, but just for this season, and let's just take the last game against the Raiders. He shows some flashes at the end, and you're like, wow, where is this all game? So you have some excuses, at least in my opinion. Garrett Wilson, you want to be a number one receiver? Catch the ball. There's a slant right there that he probably takes to the house. There's a bomb 50 yards down the field that hits him in the chest. You throw it to Alan Lazard. He catches it, but he bobbles it three times, and then he doesn't come back on the curl route at the end of the game when Zach threw the interception. My problem is I want to be optimistic, and it's in my opinion, it's not all on Zach. He's not the answer, but just looking at last game, it's like cut the cord. Let this guy sink or swim. If, if you want to trash him, that's fine, but it's not all on him. And it's like, yeah, run the ball, but second and one, that's, that's when you have to pass the ball. That is the opportunity to throw the ball because it gives you the highest percentage of a completion and put him in position to actually make plays if he's going to be your guy for the rest of the season and you're not going to go with Boyle or Simeon, at least give him the chance to make the play. And if he fails, then yes, it's all on him. But when I see some of these plays at the end of the game and some drops by, I love Wilson, but you got to catch them. It, It gives excuses to look at the offensive line and the receivers and the running back where, yes, the play calling, I think, is terrible in the red zone. Second and one, you're running it three Alex, times. Alex, let me ask you a question. Up. Let me ask you a question, Alex. Sure. I hear what you're yep. saying. I do. And you're right. He shows you those, those flashes, and he is such a tease. But, Alex, he's the lowest-rated quarterback in the NFL. Right. If, yeah. Okay, how do I – if I'm the offensive coordinator, if he's the lowest-rated quarterback in the NFL – how do I say, let's give it to him and let him throw it, around, throw it all over the yard? Right. How do I do that? I can't do that, Alex. Well, he, He's not even he, – uh, they, uh, they are the lowest – Alex, they are the lowest rated team on third down and less than three. So they're not agree, throwing agree, it. And, that's and they're, right. not, both, they're not throwing both. it well and they're yep. not running it well. So listen, nobody, and thank you for the phone call. Nobody said that it's all on Zach Wilson. Nobody's saying it. The Nobody. offensive line had injuries. We know that. There's drops. There's drops, penalties, penalties. There's holding. Nobody is saying it's all on him. But I have a saying, Alex, and I say it on this station all the time. The penalties and stuff like that, that holding for Uzama and the drops from Lazard, he can't control that. But the stuff that he can control, he doesn't do a good enough job consistently that you can win with him. That's why I understand why they don't want to let him throw it all over the yard. I get it. I get it. Now, do they have to find a happy medium? They're trying, Alex. They did a no-huddle offense. We've been calling for the no-huddle. They did that. Now he's running a little bit, trying to extend plays. We've been begging him to stop running backwards for 20 yards, and now he's finally running forward in in the game on on Sunday night. Yes, it's encouraging. But doggone it, Alex, it's three years, and we should see something more consistent from him in three years now. I've got C.J. Stroud throwing the ball all over the ballpark. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a rookie. 
all over the park. You have 300 yards, 400 yards. The Jets are getting three and 400 yards in two or three games. Sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. Some, the Occam's razor, right? What's the most obvious answer is the right answer? You're right. It's not all on him. It's not like everybody is playing top-notch and it's just him that's holding them back. But he's not, he's not good. <laughs> I think we have enough evidence at this point. Three years you... in the NFL is a lifetime. That's, that's longer than some guys' careers. I know you want him to do well. I know uh, you do. This is what the Jets have done to people. I know you want him to do well. And listen. This is a toxic relationship. This is, is somebody is. who's in a relationship they should not be in with. Yep. Yep. And they keep explaining away all this bad behavior. Well, yep. but he, he brought me the flowers that one time. He told me he loved me that other time. This is a toxic relationship. And the Jets can't get out of it. And, and the Jet fan can't get out of it. That's what this is. This is a toxic relationship. We'll be back. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, if this is going to continue for the rest of the season, we're going to need an adult beverage sponsor. Yes. We might need need that already. (laughs) We're not even talking about the Giants. We're going to need that uh, on Sundays, Larry. So, Larry, during the break, I Googled, Larry, signs you're in a toxic relationship. Okay, what'd you see? What'd you find out? Number one, they strip away your self-esteem. Okay? Maybe, maybe not. You're not practicing self-care. You keep waiting slash hoping for them to change. You feel very insecure. Your family and friends are concerned. You don't have the type of trust you should have. You often feel worse when you're with them. You feel drained. You don't feel like yourself around them. They don't bring out the best in you. You don't have a positive feeling about the future. Jet fans, if you're still making excuses, Zach is not this, it's okay, it's all right. These are signs you are in a toxic relationship. But what do they do? They're in it. They're in it. Oh, they, they, there's they another can't. one. They're always blaming others for their problems. Well, you know, if he catches the ball, if it's not the penalty, <laughs> the offensive line, the defense. Uh, oh, man. Can you? How do you think Robert Sala feels? Oh, he, I would he love is, to. I would love to replace him. I've done it before. I would love to replace him. I can't. Replace can we him. give? You know what? I'd almost like to give every coach, athlete, whatever it is that Brian Cashman's been eating or drinking lately. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine the oh. things that would spew out of Robert Sala's mouth? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be sweating like he, he's running up those stairs every single week, Larry. That's that's how he's able to do it. Yeah, running up those stairs. Oh, he's he's taking he's taking those stairs have taking some abuse from from Robert. Yeah. he's kicking some of those stairs on the way up. There's no question about it. No question. And and I would love to hear what he's saying. Oh. <laughs> those stairs, the things those steps and stairs and chairs have heard from Robert Sala this season. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Back to the phones. Brock is in Huntington. Brock, you're next on ninety eight seven. 
Hey, Larry Gordon. How's it going tonight, gentlemen? Hey, Brock. All right, I just want to kick it with you guys about the Jets a little bit. I'm listening to you. I hear you with the analogy about the toxic relationship, and I think from ground level, you know, I'm not going to be like, hey, I've been a Jet fan forever, but I've been a Jet fan a long time. And, I mean, I think this goes a little bit higher than ground level. I think we've got to look at this organizationally as the toxicity because what we're doing is the, the, the kind of theme I want to present to you is just these shortcuts are going to get you these short results. And, I mean, the idea that we were going to go from the outhouse to the penthouse signing a 40-year-old quarterback who was being kind of thrown to the scrap heap by the team. He had his glory years in, and, and that was going to get us there. It's like I was excited for it, but as a, as a Jet fan, I was cautiously optimistic. These people who are upset about it, you have two people to blame. Number one, you have yourself, because honestly, you have to expect things like this with the Jets until they prove otherwise. And number two, when you have bad ownership, and you could put this with the Knicks, you could put this with the, you know, the Jets. When you have these kind of spoiled rich brat owner guys who don't really have to work for it and they're handed it, they're used to taking shortcuts to get the answer. They're used to kind of just the quick fix, and they're not used to kind of working hard to get things done. And I think from the ground, it's easy to put it on these, you know, Hackett, Zach. I mean, Zach didn't have a chance. They threw him on the fire to the Wolves right away. He's, you know, they, they, these guys didn't have a chance. Aaron Rodgers goes down. The season was done. But, I mean, when you look at the organization and the decisions they make and where they put their chips, you know, and I hate to see the Giants almost. I'm listening to everyone, you know, tank the season. And I'm like, don't become like the Jets, man. It's a slippery slope. You know what I'm saying? At least they have dignity. I feel like the Giants, I'm not a Giants fan, but I always felt like that organization was run a little better, a little more stable. And I'm seeing, like, them slipping now. And I'm just like, you know, do I have the answer, the solution? I don't because you can't get rid of the owner, fellas. That's the problem. You can't get rid of the owner. So you have to expect the madness until it just somehow the, the magic gets sprinkled and it changes. All right, Brock. Thanks for the phone call. Well, look, uh, it, it would be hard not to, to put some blame at the foot of, of any owner of a team that's been as bad as, as the Jets have been here under Woody's ownership. But I will say this. There have been two owners who have been head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of criticism, in terms of my time as a sports fan here. And they are George Steinbrenner, number one, mm-hmm. and James Dolan, number two. George now is, is, is remembered as because they won. They mm-hmm. won at the beginning and they won at the end, and, and that's all the – now, Dolan is a different story because they did have a long stretch of uh, dysfunction, everything else. But when you hire the right people, it seems like that if it can turn around for him with as much criticism that there was of James Dolan at a time, I think it can turn around for anybody. But you got to hire the right people. Yeah. Do the Jets have the right people? I don't know. I, don't, I know they don't have the right guy at the quarterback. I know that much. And to be fair, I know he's 40 years old, but he was the best quarterback available. He was the best guy available. Jimmy G is riding the bench in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr is hurt in New yeah. Orleans. Yep. And those, those were the top three guys. Yep. Those were the top three. So they're all hurt. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, they're younger. Yeah, I get it. Derek Carr's younger. But, you know, you're looking at his postseason record, Gordon's postseason record is not great. No, no. Uh, I mean, in terms of resumes, I, I get, look, I think it was worth a chance. It was never, there's no, no plan that's foolproof. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no plan that can't go sideways, especially when it sometimes involves the Jets. Uh, yeah. I still think it was the best plan. They're going to run it back next year. They hope it goes right then. I do think that almost next year it's it's got to be more risky than this year. Sure. But I, I think that they have made their bed, and, and the Jets this year have shown when they've made their bed, they're going to sleep in their bed. Yeah. And I think next year they're going to make their bed again with Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to sleep in that bed come hell or high water. 
And the question becomes, what have they learned from this year that they will take into next year? And I hope that means uh, we got to get a better backup quarterback. We got to, you know, give some more weapons. We got to improve the offensive line. We got to do some things on our defense. Okay? Because every year people figure you out. And what worked this year is not going to work next year. All right? So there's, they, they still need some more talent on this team. And that's what you're finding out. You know, as good as you thought you were, you're not. And right now, the players that Aaron Rodgers brought along, oh my God, have not have not panned out. They've been awful. His been his, awful. Tr- his track record as GM was even worse than a couple of those drafts that Joe Douglas had. Yeah, he's uh, it's not been good. It's not been good. Love you on the phones. We'll come back and talk with you next. It's a Tuesday night edition of ESPN New York tonight. We're talking Jets and Giants on ninety-eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.